You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. Well, good morning. Um, there is a, a statement that I embraced probably, uh, I want to say in the late 90s, that I was at a conference in West Tennessee, uh, a man by the name of Stephen Olford. Um, he was a pastor uh, at the time. I think he was close to um, his 80s. He made this statement. He said when he was far from God as a young man, his parents wrote him a letter. And in this letter, um, his dad reminded, reminded him of this truth. And uh, hopefully this is right set up. Yep. They've creatively done this for me, and it stays in my office. It says, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. I want you to think about that for just a second. You know, the life that we live will be gone in an instant. And the only things that matter are the things that have done uh, for Christ. I remember um, when Jenny and I were married in uh, 2000, uh, I remember early on uh, some of our nights uh, as we'd have conversations before bedtime, um, I remember talking about ministry and what it would look like. And I remember that statement even shaping some of our conversations. Like, I remember telling Jenny, I don't know if I'm gonna be a, a lead pastor somewhere. Uh, I don't know if I'll be a student pastor or a college pastor. I don't, I don't know what I'll do. But all I do know is that after all said and done, I would love to get to the end of my life and know that God has used me and, and I've been willing to be used by God with the influence to see thousands and thousands of people come to know Jesus, get baptized and plugged into ministry. And I said, um, and I don't care if my name is ever mentioned. And that has really been kind of the, the heart behind ministry uh, for, for our family. Um, and thankfully, it's, it's the heart of ministry behind this church. It's why I'm here. And this statement, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last, um, is something that you probably get. Like if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you understand it. But sometimes that, that slides off our radar until periodically things get our attention. Uh, Jeremiah had a way of embracing this. Um, look at what God tells them. God says in Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Um, when, when you read this verse, it's a reminder that only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And, and God says, look, before you were born, like, like I set you apart and I appointed you, and you're gonna be a prophet to the nations. Now, if you look at that one verse, there, there are a few areas of our influence that are mentioned. I, I wanna kind of look at it from this perspective. Um, there's who you are, then there's who you know, and then there's what you do. Let me go through these real quick. Who you are. Like, this is the real you. You know, God says in the verse to Jeremiah, he said, look, before, before you're before you're born, like, like I knew you, I created you, I formed you, I set you apart. Who you are is, is, is the real you. And you can go through life and try all these different things, but you'll never really find comfort and true identity other than found in your creator, in his son, Jesus. And so the who you are is like, is like the real you. So, so part of influence is, is who you are, but then there's also who you know. Like this is the, the stuff where you, the people you want to get to know through the rest of your life, the people you do already know, the people you hope to get their cell, um, you hope to get connected to them, you know, influence with them, serve with them, whatever it is. This is just, just part of influence, so who you are, who you know, and then what you do. Um, if you're young in this room, this is the thing that your parents can't wait till you find out. 
Uh, it's the thing that, that they're praying for on your behalf. If you're a little bit older in the room, this is the thing that we spend most of our time doing. It's kind of sometimes our, our, our title. And, and on, honestly, we can kind of get wrapped up in it. It's where we spend our gifts. It's where we make our income. Um, and what we find out in the book of Jeremiah is, is those three, three things are mentioned. Who you are, God says, like, look, look, I formed you. I set you apart. I appointed you. Who you know, God said, to the nations. And what you do, he said, you're going to be a prophet. And ultimately, when it comes to us learning to leverage our influence, those three issues are vitally important. And Jeremiah learned something that all of us need to understand. Ready? Some of you already get this. But I'm afraid that many Christians don't yet understand. It is always a mistake to put what you do ahead of who you are. It's always a mistake to put what you do and even who you know ahead of who you are. I know lots of stories, you know lots of stories of people that have um, been so focused and passionate and worked so hard at this that they were willing to, to hurt people and to cut corners on who they really were in order for this to continue to move forward. I've seen people that have such talent with what they do absolutely cut the knees out from under who they are. And if we're ever gonna be people that embrace the statement, only when life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last, we have to understand that all three areas are vitally important. I'm gonna read it again. I know you before I formed you inside your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. So know who you are. What you do is that you'll be a prophet and, and who you'll do it with is to the nations. A question today, why is this so important? Why did Tim take time to bring this, this statement up here that, that, that shaped so much of his life? Well, truth be told, we all know. And this week for me, more than, more than in a while, really the last week and a half, Life is so short. Uh, at this church, um, there have been uh, children that have passed away. There have been adults that have passed away. There have been senior adults that have passed away. And we know that any time, uh, death can happen. But we also know, according to Scripture, that at any moment, Jesus can come back. And the way we approach both is, is with hope. Like Jesus is the answer to death. Jesus is the answer when he comes again and he wants to make all things new. So, so we approach it with hope. Well, a lot of times people ask, man, you know, Tim, could this be the end times? And, and obviously I think, yeah, you know, things are getting tough. And Jesus described what the end times would be like. He made a statement like this. Think about it. Matthew 24, he said, when the son of man returns, like when Jesus comes again, he says, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. So Jesus says, look, when I come again, it's going to be like it was back then. And some of you know the story of Noah. This is what it was like. It begs a question. Okay, what was it like in the days of Noah? Here's what it was like. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord observed. So God saw the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw everything that they thought or imagined and was consistently and totally evil. It's worth noting that just like then... And understand even now when Jesus comes again, God sees everything that's going on. He sees all the yuck. He sees all the stuff that needs to be fixed. Um, God's, in a sense, like watching the news. So he gets it. It continues on the next verse. So the Lord was sorry he'd ever made them. And it broke his heart. Understand this. God's not surprised with all the sin. He's just sorry. The Bible literally says he's grieved. It breaks his heart. But God is not nervous about what's going on. 
Verse seven, the Lord said, I will wipe this human race that I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. I'm sorry I ever made them. Like he's grieved over making them. But here's what's so great. On behalf of leveraging our influence, when God had set in his mind to, to destroy everything, he looked around and he found a man that understood the significance of only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And his name was Noah. And the next verse says why God relented. Verse eight, but Noah found favor with God. God was looking for someone that was willing to be leveraged and used by God and to leverage their influence on behalf of humanity to make a difference. You know, at Severe Heights, as we gather on, on Sundays, as we gather in different times in this setting, um, I, I want you to know kind of our agenda. Like, like I want you to understand is, is we're here and we want to be doing exactly what God has God has put forth in all of scripture as a mission. Ultimately, there's a few things we want to accomplish. Severe Heights is here to help you find Jesus. Like ultimately, when you read all these stories, the story of Noah, the story of Jeremiah, the story of Elijah, you work your way through the New Testament. The thing that matters more than anything else is that you find Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus yet, the number one thing that you need is him. To understand his death, burial, and resurrection establishes a relationship with you and the Father. So, so you need to find Jesus. Number two, our hope, our agenda, is that you understand that your past has been settled once and for all. So meaning once you find Jesus, once you surrender to Jesus, everything before then, all the yuck, all the filth is gone. It's settled once and for all. You can move forward. You find freedom in this, in this statement. And that's what scripture is talking about, learning to embrace grace and mercy and each day be beautiful. But Severe Heights, our, our other agenda is to help you discover the unique gift that God has given you for right now in this place, in this time, in this city, in your area. And then ultimately, we want you to leverage your influence on behalf of eternity. It's simply those four things. To find Jesus, to understand that, that once you find Jesus and you surrender your life, all that past is gone and forgiven. And then you've got some gifts that you need to discover. And then you leverage your influence on behalf of eternity for other people. God told Jeremiah this way. He said, Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And that hope's in Jesus. Because only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Um, the day will come when I am no longer on this earth and I would love this verse read at, at my memorial service, Acts 13, 36. Now when David, look here, had served God's purpose in his own generation. Like he leveraged his influence in his own generation. He found Jesus. He understood that his past, look, murder, adultery, all those things, it was gone. He discovered his gift as leadership and as a communicator, as a songwriter. And then he leveraged that influence on behalf of people. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. For a follower of Jesus, that's all it is, is falling asleep and then waking up in the presence of God. This is the significance of leveraging our influence on behalf of eternity. And it's my prayer that our church will remember that toward the end of the summer, especially as things start to launch in the fall. Um, the, uh, when it comes to the realm of influence, I wanna highlight just a few areas that every person in this room has on behalf of your generation. The first one is this, your family. Like your close family, those in your circle of influence, those that are, that are close to you. Acts 16 says it this way. They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. The word household in the Greek text 
is the word oikos, which literally means like those in close proximity to you, those that you care about. So if you're gonna embrace a statement that only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last, you will have a desire to influence and to do the same thing that God has done in you. Use your influence on behalf of those close to you. Like, so this is your neighbors, this is your family, your brother, your sister, your parents, your kids, a spouse. Here's what, I'm, here's what I mean by that. Summer, I know, is hit and miss. Like, like, we got vacations and people, you know, dodge a week, come back a week. And we've been through this whole year and a half that was strange. But now all of a sudden, momentum's coming back. And when August and September's here, the church is really on offense in a big way. Here's what that means. I want to beg you from the bottom of my heart to consider your oikos. That person that you love that's far from God, that's not in church, and you bring him to church. Yeah, I'm sit with you. You do what you can. And I'll do the things that you can't. See, there are things that you can do that I can't do. And together, all of a sudden, we're doing this thing. And you know what happens? When we have worship services together, and you begin to look at everything through the lens of your oikos, the person that you love in your circle of influence that doesn't know Jesus, you pay attention to, are there parking spots? You pay attention to, is the place clean? Are people kind? Is the kids area like, like comfortable? Are, are, are people helping them find a seat? What kind of music are we doing? Like, do those words make sense to them? And, and when Tim talks, does it matter? And there's all this stuff there and you're feeling it for the person that's beside you because you're leveraging your influence on behalf of them because the Bible makes it clear that people live forever. And then all of a sudden when he gets to the end of the service, you start to get nervous. I've been there you're nervous for the person that you brought and you're like, man, I, I hope they got it. I hope they understand it. And your, your hands start to sweat and, and eventually they may have a conversation with you or with us and take that step. And then one of the most beautiful things that happens is, is watching them get baptized in the celebration. But it goes back to you understanding that you've got influence and only your one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So leverage your influence on behalf of those that you love. Also, leverage your influence for this city. You heard Kari mentioning this. Our missions ministry at the church has strategically put together a full day of, of places that you can select for Saturday where you can literally be the hands and feet of Jesus. Where this church can go outside these walls and reflect the purpose and the personality of Jesus. Where we can influence a city. Like, so those of you in this room, you're already in positions of influence. Some of you, like, work in administration. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are coaches. Some of you are athletes. Some of you are attorneys. Some of you are nurses and doctors and students. Leverage what you've got, the influence that you have, because only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Jeremiah 15, 19. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I'll restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you'll be my spokesman. You must influence them. Don't let them influence you. So you're oikos. You influence those around you, those that you love. You influence for the city. But also, there's a sense in which we leverage our influence for God. You realize God, just like he was looking for someone throughout scripture to stand up, to surrender like the Noah incident, like the Jeremiah incident. Listen to what 2 Chronicles 16 says. The eyes of the Lord still search the whole earth. He's looking over Knoxville in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, the past year and a half has been so tough. But this local church has stood strong because so many of you 
have understood the premise that only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And for a second, here's what I want us to do. I just want us to show appreciation at the end for these, for these people. Think about it. At the end of this moment, think about those that have continued to watch preschoolers so this room is quiet. Think about those that are pouring into your kids to actually teach them the Bible in a way that the kids would enjoy it and to be enjoyable people. Like, like those kids, if they ever met Jesus, they would love Jesus. And they're starting to develop a love for this church. Think about those that have helped out in the student ministry, the camps, all, all the people that are volunteering behind the scenes to help our middle school and high schoolers and, and the college ministry. Think about those that are involved in group life. Think about the senior adults. Think about those that have been pastoral care, helping with hospitals, helping serve people, helping with funerals, walking with people. Think about those that are on the host team. When it's been tough and it's been awkward, they've still been greeting. Think about those that have been working the, the lights, the video, the sound, the things that no one in this room th sees. Think about our deacons that have continued to serve, care for the widows. Think about other ministries, whether it's our budget and finance or personal. Everybody has gone above and beyond for this last year and a half because they understand that only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. And I would like us to give them a hand of applause and thanks right now. And I want to tell you in the room, if you're not there yet with us, my point, we need you. Now, let me tell you this. We can do it without you, but we're better with you. And Jesus would walk around. I cannot wait to teach in the fall on this series of the life of Christ. But Jesus would walk around in the cities and he would see people and he had compassion, but he knew the solution. Listen to this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, look here, he had compassion on them because they were confused, they were helpless, sheep without a shepherd. So he said to the disciples, hey, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. You know, so many in this room, you've just not yet started serving. In the weeks ahead, we're gonna do a series about finding your purpose, finding your place, and finding your people. I wanna encourage you in the weeks ahead to finally say, you know what? I'm gonna jump in and I'm going to be a worker. I'll devote an hour a week, an hour every other week to making a difference and leveraging my influence on behalf of eternity. And I understand that there are people that are reluctant, there are people that are hesitant. Scripture talks about it, Ezekiel 22. God said, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. There are times that, that people in this room just don't feel comfortable doing it don't want to do it. You're reluctant. You're hesitant. You've got reasons. Some of you, your reasons, the past. You're like, man, I, I'd, I'd do something here. I'd serve here. I, I'd jump in, but you don't know my past. Tim, it's embarrassing. Some of you say, well, you wouldn't know how many times I've been married. You don't know the number of people I've disappointed. You don't know what I've done. And I just want to tell you, we all have a past. 
And that's the beauty. Remember we said about finding Jesus and then understanding that that past, once you've discovered it's in your life, it's all been settled. And I, I want to ask you a question. When it comes to people in the city that are broken, do you know who they like to talk to in the middle of their brokenness? Other people that have been broken. Other people that are learning to walk through their brokenness and learning to trust Jesus. So don't let your past be an excuse to be leveraged to make a difference on behalf of eternity. Now, if not your past, some of you are scared just because other people. What will other people think? Man, I'm the worst at this. I, I worry too much about what people think. Um, listen to Proverbs. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Guys, I can't tell you. Like, I get so discouraged and distracted periodically by some yuck emails Yuck phone calls, yuck conversations. I mean, even today, I don't care. Um, early this morning as we were setting a prop up in here. First thing somebody does come up and tell me, well, we're trying to work on some final things. And they just say, hey, such and such is leaving the church. I'm like, why are you telling me that? Like, why are you telling me that? And they say, well, they've been here since like 2006. I'm like, why are you telling me this? And they said, they've been a friend of mine since then. And I didn't know what else to say. It was an awkward moment. You can ask everybody around me. I said, well, tell them bye. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I get so caught up internally about pleasing people that I honestly just get distracted when I, they want what they want. And all I'm wanting at the end of the day is what Jesus wants. And it's not at times going to match up with what certain people want. And I've just got to be okay with it. This past week, I got an email. Somebody said they were leaving the church because the spirit doesn't move anymore. I called them. I actually drafted an email, let it sit. I said, no, I need to call them. I called them. I said, hey, statement was harsh. I'll be praying for you that you find a great church, but, but we're going to have to agree to disagree on the spirit not moving because in the last few months, 139 people have gone public in their faith. Would you tell that to their family? Because I bet they disagree with you. I've got to get away from this idea being consumed with what people think. You know why? Because only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Some of you here is not a past issue. Some of you it's not people issue. Some of you it's just, you're afraid of taking a step. You'd like to leverage your influence, but you're just afraid of taking a step. Like, here's what I'm gonna tell you. There's some simple steps. Like, it's time to surrender. Some of you are like, surrender, that means I just gotta give him everything. Like, like who I am, the people I know, what I, what I wanna do. Yeah, it's beautiful, it's called surrender. Some of you in the room, the next step is simply to hang in there. I know there are times we've all felt it where you wanna throw in the towel. The next step for you is, is something possibly along the lines of just, just hang in there. Some of you in this room, perhaps it's step out in faith. Like you've seen people schedule the baptisms with, with boldness and courage and you're like, man, I don't know if I can do it. Your next step is to step out in faith. Some of you in this room, perhaps it's an I'm sorry. You say, well, I really didn't have much to do with it. No, but, but you've probably fed it a little bit. And if you apologize, that's the next step that, that, that might do a wonderful work of healing. Some of you in this room, um, it's time to get help. That's the next step. So what do you mean? Well, for you, it's been like, Something you've been doing on the side for fun. It's been recreational, but now you know it's gotten too far. And you're addicted. Time to get help. Don't be hesitant. Don't be reluctant. 
Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ the last. Send so me in this room, um, it's time to slow down. You know, there, there, there is a beautiful rhythm that Jesus has established in Scripture, and there is a day to honor the Sabbath. Make sure there is a rhythm of rest. Otherwise, it will destroy those closest to you. Some of you, the next step is just this time. Like you keep procrastinating on a time with Jesus, procrastinating on reading the Bible, procrastinating about actually getting in a group, procrastinating about It's just time. It's time to do whatever God called you to do. And one more that's close to my heart, and that is this. You'll make it. For followers of Jesus, it may not be pretty. It may not be exactly what you hope. It might be a difficult road, but you'll make it. This is the next step. And understand that some of these reluctancies, some of these hesitancies that you've got have been perhaps a past. People taking a next step. Where I want to talk about one more, and that is failure. You know, the Bible says that Jesus made this statement. I want you to be sure of this, that I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And when we talk about this statement that shaped everything, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I have to understand that that means I, he wants to leverage my influence, who I am, who I'm with, and what I do. Guys, it's, it's here and gone quick. Um... Pull this over. Any of you could do this. Uh, you just grab something that's got numbers one to ten on it. You grab a ruler. And uh, what you do, it's a little morbid for a second, all right? So, so hang tight. Just think through how, how long you would guess you'll live. Like, just do the best you can. You're not going to get it right, but just think through it. We, we talked about this this past week as a staff. So, so I'm just going to pick a number that, that most people talk about. What you do is you fold it at that spot. And then, I have a paper cutter because I love them. It makes life so much easier. Um, then you cut it, and it's that spot, like from the moment I'm dead into eternity. It's with God. And then you've got this much left, right? Did a terrible job there, but it's all right. You got this much left. What you do now is you take current age is everything before today it's like gone it's done this is what I got left only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days so that we present to you a heart of wisdom. My prayer is that you would understand, number one, this place, we have an agenda. It's for you to find Jesus. Number two, we want you to understand that once Jesus has your life, everything from that moment back is just forgiven. It's gone, brand new. And then he's given you some unique gifts for this time, this place, this city. And he expects you to leverage your influence with those gifts. But it goes in the form of if you find out who you are in Jesus. He does a beautiful thing with the people you're with and what you do. It's what he did with Jeremiah. Look, I formed you. I did all this stuff. I set you apart. 
be a prophet. That's what you'll do to the nations. And it's a reminder today. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to encourage you to realize how special a gift influence is. But my goodness, we can be flippant with it. We can forget how brief it is. For sometimes, for some of us, it can get to our heads. But even our influence is a gift. And God has called us as followers of Jesus Christ to leverage influence on behalf of eternity. Don't let go of that statement. Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Jesus will last. If you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ today, we want to encourage you on simply taking a step. During the song, after the song, you can work to the far right of the room. and There's people there that would love to talk to you. If you want to schedule a baptism, same thing. If you'd like to join this church, say, man, I'm ready. If you want to volunteer some capacity, if you want to say, hey, uh, give me more information about Saturday in this for the city thing. Work your way over there after the song or during the song. Maybe some of you in this room, though, you need prayer. That's what this room is for. Maybe some of you in this room are finally like, you know what, I gotta get help and I don't even know where to go. We'd love to help you with those steps. Father, my prayer is that um, today, all of us in this room would understand the, the brevity of life, the danger in being crippled by our past, worried about people, overly concerned with failure. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for real life that's found in Jesus. Thank you for influence. I pray that we would leverage that influence for those that are close to us, our oikos, our family and friends. I pray that we do it for the city. And I pray that we do it for you. Have your way in the weeks and months and years ahead. In Jesus' name.